Christmas will be here before you know it. So now is the time to prepare your heart with a timeless devotional written by Dr. David Jeremiah called Season of Joy. Enter the Christmas season with restored hope, resounding joy, reassuring peace, and renewed faith. This inspirational book is yours for a gift of any amount in support of Turning Point. And for a gift of $100 or more, you'll receive a four-pack to share the season of joy with others. Learn more at davidjeremiah.ca. That's davidjeremiah.ca. When you think about the rapture, do you picture it as a single event? As the day approaches, you might be surprised by how much more there is to it. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah continues his new series on becoming rapture ready, The Great Disappearance, with a closer look at the outcomes believers can expect. Here's David to introduce the conclusion of his message, A Great Day. You know, I have in front of me as we begin this uh, study, a copy of our study guide. I'm so proud of these documents because I know how much they've helped people over the years. And one of the ways this can be very valuable to you is if you're in a small group, get the study guides for every member of your group. They're not expensive. You can get them from Turning Point. And then get the CD package that you can also order from davidjeremiah.org. You can listen to the lessons. You can read the study guide material. You can go to your study guide as the facilitator and get everybody involved in discussing all these critical subjects. And when they find out that the Bible has something to say about that, it's such a wonderful thing. And I hope you will take advantage of it. You can go to our website. You can order the study guides that you need, order the CD package, and plan your agenda for your next small group. I hope you'll do that. This is a great way to internalize this material. Well, friends, we're going to get started now with uh, this next edition of Turning Point. As you open your Bibles with me, let's study God's Word together and ask Him to really make it applicable to our lives, even to the point of conviction. Let's do it. The Bible tells us that when we are resurrected from the grave or when we are caught up to be with the Lord in the rapture, we will get bodies that are just like the body Jesus had when he was resurrected. So you say, well, what kind of body is that? Well, you can find out a little bit about it by investigating what happened to Jesus after he was resurrected. He was on this earth for 40 days and some interesting things happened to him. During his post-resurrection appearances, here's some good news for everybody. Jesus ate with his disciples. When you get to heaven, you will be able to eat. I mean, for some of you, it wouldn't be heaven if you couldn't eat. How many of you know food occupies one of two things for us? We either eat to live or we live to eat. Well, the Bible says when we get to heaven, we'll have a body like Jesus, and we know from studying his resurrection body that he was able to eat. On one occasion, he cooked breakfast for his disciples, John 21. Now, it is true that we will be able to eat, but we may not have to eat. You won't have to eat, but you'll be able to eat, and you'll be able to enjoy. And the Bible tells us that in heaven there are going to be some pretty cool trees and plants and things growing, and you probably want to check those out when you get there. The body of Christ was not only a body that could eat, but it was also a body that could be touched. Listen to me. We're not going to heaven like Casper the ghost. I promise you that. We're not going to have 
you know, little ghost-like bodies. We're going to have real, tangible bodies like Jesus had when he came out of the grave. Do you remember that he had this little incident with Thomas, and Thomas didn't believe it was him? And Jesus said to him in John 20, 27, Thomas, reach your finger here and look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. Jesus' body was tangible and touchable and huggable, and so will our bodies be. Then some people say, well, in my new body, will people know me? Will I be so changed that they don't know who I am? Over the years, I've been asked this question a lot. In my new resurrection body, will people know who I am? Will they recognize me, and will I know others? The Bible is very clear about this. After the resurrection, Jesus knew his disciples, and they knew him. They recognized the glorified Jesus as the very same one they had known before his death. They were so convinced of the identity of the Lord Jesus Christ in his risen body that they all went to their death proclaiming the reality of the resurrection. When Moses and Elijah appeared on the Mount of Transfiguration, the disciples instinctively recognized Moses and Elijah. They knew them. And when Jesus describes heaven in Matthew 8, 11, he says, I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. When we get to heaven, we're going to know each other. I mean, isn't it unimaginable that you would have a less powerful memory in heaven than the one you have right now? When you, listen to me. When you get to heaven, you're going to remember every encounter you had with anybody you want to remember. You're going to remember them. They're going to remember you. It's an amazing thought process if you just stop and think about it. Number four, when you get to heaven in your new body, you will be illumined in brilliance. In Revelation 21, we're told that in the new Jerusalem, you won't need a power plant. You won't need an electricity source because Jesus Christ will be the light of the whole city. A light will emanate from Jesus that will light up the whole city of Jerusalem. And Daniel 12.3 says that we will shine like the brightness of the firmament when we get to heaven. Matthew says the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of heaven. I don't exactly know what that means, but we're going to have a little glow about us. We're going to shine like the stars. And our new bodies will be infinite in physical power. Remember what Paul wrote to the Corinthians? He said, you're buried in weakness, but you come out of the grave in strength and in power. A dead body has no strength at all. Cannot lift a finger. But when we come out of the grave in a body like Jesus, we'll have so much energy, we'll think a lightning bolt has supercharged us. Resurrection bodies will be incredible full of enthusiastic power, capable of extraordinary functions. When you read about the Lord Jesus after his resurrection, he could enter sealed rooms without going through the door. John twenty nineteen, the same day at evening being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. If the glorified body of Christ could pass through walls, 
and travel by impulses and thought, perhaps it will be true for us as well. How many of you know going some places is fun if you didn't have to take the trip to get there? But when you get your new body, listen to me, you can be sitting around talking about it and say, you know, let's go to the other side of New Jerusalem, and you're there. Your thought will cause it to happen. I don't know how to explain this. When you think where you want to be, you'll be there. You can transfer yourself in your new body as Jesus did. Oh, there's so much more about that, but when you get to heaven, you're going to have a new body that will have incredible capacity. And then the Bible says that your new body will be built for eternity. Your new body will be incredibly suited for heaven. Our bodies now are suited for earth, and they don't work in heaven. Earthly bodies don't work in heaven. Our spiritual bodies will be suited for life in heaven and for eternity. In our current bodies, we can't function like that. We have bodies that have limitations, and heaven and eternity is limitless. That is the hope we cling to as followers of Jesus. The rapture assures us that death is not the end of life. It's the beginning of a new existence in our new, perfect, glorious bodies. Hallelujah. We're going to go to heaven someday, and we're going to be there in a way to enjoy it. Amen. So I told you there were five stanzas. There's the return, and then there's the resurrection, and then there's the redemption or the change of our bodies. And now we come to the rapture, the main event. In verse 17, we're told that they who are alive and remain shall be caught up. That's the word rapture from the Latin language. That's where we get the word rapture. Caught up. We'll be caught up to be together with them in the clouds. In a nanosecond, the Lord will call all believers to himself. We will simply vanish from the earth. No one has confessed Christ as Lord will ever be left behind. Just imagine that for a moment. I've spent some time over these last weeks reading about it, trying to imagine it. There's no way to describe it. One day, every Christian on planet earth is going to be gone. We're doing some things at Turning Point to try to describe this. We're making some little movie clips where people disappear from the movie. One of my favorites is a little girl's on a swing, and the swing comes back empty because the little girl has gone to heaven. One of these days, people everywhere are going to start to disappear. I remember reading about this in the book by Hal Lindsey. Hal Lindsey wrote a book years ago, and he started the interest in prophecy in many respects. He wrote a book called The Late Great Planet Earth. Remember that one? And in that book, he tried to describe what he thought it would be like when the rapture happened. He said, there I was driving down the freeway, and all of a sudden the place went crazy. Cars going in all directions, and not one of them had a driver. I mean, it was wild. I think we've got an invasion from outer space. He said it was the last quarter of the championship game. The other side was ahead. Our boys had the ball. We made a touchdown and tied it up. Crowd went crazy. Only one minute to go, and they fumbled. Our quarterback recovered. He was about a yard from the goal line when, zap, no more quarterback. Completely gone, just like that. 
It was puzzling, said Lindsay, very puzzling. I was teaching my course in the philosophy of religion when all of a sudden three of my students vanished. They were quite argumentative, those students, always trying to prove their points from the Bible. No great loss to my class. However, I do find this disappearance very difficult to explain. Those kind of things will happen all over the world. Husbands will be separated from their wives, wives from their husbands, children from their parents, neighbors from neighbors. If you don't know Jesus Christ, when the time comes, you will be left behind. You won't go up. And those who go up will leave a huge vacuum, not only in culture, but in governance. And one of the reasons I believe all hell breaks loose after the rapture is that the Holy Spirit who inhabits all believers will have been taken out of the world. The restrainer will be gone. And the restraint of godliness, which is apparent in our world today, even though it has been tarnished, it will all disappear. There will be nothing to hold back evil because the Holy Spirit will have vacated the earth. When you stop and think about it, your imagination can run wild. Just think about it for a moment. Everybody on this earth who is a Christian, gone in a moment. In his book, The King is Coming, Harold Wilmington gives us a little illustration that provides some help with this topic. He said, a man is cleaning out his garage and discovers a small box filled with a mixture of tiny iron nails, wooden splinters, sawdust, and pieces of paper. Suppose he desires to save the nails. How could he quickly separate them from the wooden splinters? If a magnet was available, the task would be quite simple. He would simply position the magnet over the box. Immediately, all those objects possessing the same physical nature would be caught up to meet the magnet in the air. In other words, hold the magnet over the box and whatever's metal will come out of the pile and adhere to the magnet. And then he made this comment. He said, when Christ appears, he will not come especially for black or for white people, for Catholics or Protestants, for Jews or Gentiles, only for those individuals who possess the same nature as himself. If you have become a Christian, you have been given the nature of God. And when Jesus comes back, the rapture will happen. Whenever I read that, I remember a moment from my early days as a child. My father used to have a radio program back in those days, which was on five days a week for 15 minutes. And uh, he recorded the program at home. Some of you radio buffs would remember a Wallen Sack recorder. He recorded his messages on seven-inch tape, and he got them all ready, and then he would send them to the station, and they would play them the following week. Now, when the messages were over, the tapes would come back, and he would erase them. And the way he erased them is with a giant magnet. You would hold this magnet over the tape, and it would pull all of the sounds off the tape. I know that because one day I erased a whole week of messages before they aired. When you do something like that, you never forget it. You never forget the event, and you never forget what happened after the event. One day Jesus is going to hover over this earth, and at the moment 
He will cause everyone to arise out of this earth, Christians, like they have been magnetized to God and will be caught up together to be with him. The last stanza in this hymn of rapture is the reunion. It says in verse 17, And we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus shall we always be with the Lord. What happens then is the dead in Christ are reunited with their bodies, with their spirit. They come out of the grave and their spirit reenters. That's the first reunion. All of those who are dead who are Christians are resurrected. All of us who are alive and remain are resurrected, and we meet. That's the second reunion. And then the Bible says, all of us together will see heaven escorted by the Lord himself who comes to take us to see heaven. How many of you know it's so much more wonderful to see something beautiful when you can share it with others? I could give you lots of illustrations, but you know what I mean. We're going to see heaven together. Our parents will not be left out. Our loved ones will not be left out. Our husbands or spouses or children that have gone on before us will meet them, and together we will see Jesus and heaven. And thus says the scripture, we shall always be with the Lord. Is it any wonder that at the end of this passage, Paul said these words, therefore comfort one another with these words. That's why when you're a Christian and you go to a funeral, you're sad, but you're not desperate. You're sad, but you're not destroyed. You know there's more to this than what is apparent on that day. You know that the person you loved, if they were a Christian, has gone on before you, and you know that someday you will see them again. And there is tremendous comfort in that. The Bible says we who are Christians, we sorrow not as others who have no hope. We sorrow, yes we do, but not like others who have no hope. I can promise you as a pastor, I have seen the difference between those who know what we've talked about today and those who don't. I'm here to tell you, God has a plan for us, and that plan could happen at any moment. The rapture of the church is imminent. That means it could take place without anything in between where we are and where that event is. I hope you are ready. I want to tell you a story about a woman named Ruth Anna Metzger. She was a singer, and she was asked to sing at a wedding in Seattle. It was a very special upscale wedding One of the wealthiest families in the city had a daughter who was getting married, and Ruth Anna was just overwhelmed that she had been chosen to be the soloist. She was particularly excited because the wedding reception was to be held on the top two floors of the Columbia Center, the tallest buildings in the Northwest. The whole event was very exclusive, and Ruth Anna couldn't help thinking about how much fun it would be for her and her husband Roy to go to that reception. They had never been in the building, let alone on the top floor. So after the wedding, Ruth Anna and Roy drove to the beautiful facility and approached the reception desk. They watched as the maitre d' who was decked out in a splendid tuxedo admitted and introduced the guests and ushered them toward a luscious table of hors d'oeuvres and exotic beverages. About that time, the bride and the groom approached a beautiful glass and brass staircase 
leading to the top floor. And someone ceremoniously cut a satin ribbon draped across the bottom of the stairs and announced that the wedding feast was about to begin. As Roy and Ruthanna approached the top of the stairs, the maitre d' asked them, May I have your name, please? Before him was a bound book. I am Ruthanna Metzger, and this is my husband, Roy. The maitre d' searched through the listings in the book, and then he looked again. He asked Ruthanna to spell her name, and he searched again, and finally he looked and he said, I am very sorry, but your name isn't here. Oh, she said, there must be some mistake. I'm the singer. I I sang for the wedding. He said, I don't care what you did or who you are. Without your name in this book, you can't go to this banquet. And he motioned to a waiter and said, show these people to the service elevator, please. The Metzgers were unceremoniously ushered past beautifully decorated tables laden with shrimp and smoked salmon and magnificent carved ice. They passed the orchestra, all in resplendent white tuxedos. They were led past the guests enjoying the food and fellowship and the opulence of the moment. And the waiter took Ruthanna and Roy to the service elevator, ushered them in, and pushed G for ground. The Metzgers were stunned to find themselves out on the street, and they were driving home in silence. Somewhere along the way, Roy turned to Ruthanna and said, Sweetheart, what happened? She said, Well, when the invitation arrived, I was really busy, and I never thought to return the RSVP. I mean, after all, I'm the singer. I should be able to go to the reception without returning an RSVP. Then, as Ruthanna recalled, she started to cry. Not only because she had missed the most lavish banquet she would ever be invited to in her whole life, but because she suddenly had a small taste of what it will be like someday for people when they stand before Christ and find out that their names are missing from the Lamb's book of life. You can't go to heaven unless you have been saved. When you get saved, your name is entered in the Lamb's book of life. When you get to heaven and God says, why should I let you into my heaven? You might come up with a long list of spiritual accomplishments. But remember, there is such a day forecast in the scriptures where people come before God and say, have we not done wonderful things in your name? And Jesus is recorded to have said, depart from me for I never knew you. One of the reasons I am so burdened about this series of messages, I think a lot of people are playing very loose with the concept of eternity. Maybe you come to church, you say you're a Christian in some way, but do you really know for sure that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life? Have you asked God to forgive your sin? Have you asked Jesus Christ to come and live within your heart? Have you been saved? Because if you haven't, and your name isn't there, and he should come back today, you will be left behind. You won't go to heaven. You say, well, Pastor, that isn't very nice for you to say that. I'm not saying this on my own. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, says the Scripture, but the end thereof are the ways of death. So could I just ask you today, would you think seriously about that in your own life? Are you ready for heaven? Are you ready to meet Jesus when he comes back? 
He could come back any moment. Are you ready? I remember an old preacher said, the way you stay ready is you stay ready to keep from getting ready. You don't have time to get ready. You need to stay ready. You need to be ready. You need to be saved. Ladies and gentlemen, God loves you. He loves you more than you know. He sent Jesus here to provide a way for you to go to heaven. But you have to RSVP. You have to make the reservation. I hope you will do it today. Wow. You know, um, it's a wonderful thing to be a teacher of the Word of God, and especially if you get to record what you've written and studied, because even years later you hear it, and sometimes you can hear yourself preach, and it can be a blessing to your own life. You can get blessed by your own preaching. Did you know that? And the Word of God is that kind of a truth because it's evergreen. It's always fresh, always new, and always powerful. Uh, Before we say our final goodbye, just a word about our cruise coming up in December. We'll be sharing wonderful truth from the Word of God. We have the Martins with us, the uh, the wonderful ministry of Uriel Vega, and, uh, of course, Michael Sanchez, our great worship leader and singer. We'll have a great time. I hope you'll come with us. Find out more about it by going to davidjeremiah.org, and uh, there you will find a direction for you to get involved. We'll see you tomorrow right here. Thanks for joining us. Our message today came to you from Shadow Mountain Community Church and Senior Pastor Dr. David Jeremiah. We appreciate your notes of encouragement, so please write to Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 18098, RPO Sowasin, Delta, B.C., V4L2M4. Visit our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or call 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's new book, The Great Disappearance, 31 Ways to Be Rapture Ready. Informative and inspiring, it's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also stream more than 1,200 of Dr. Jeremiah's messages on demand on any screen with our streaming service, Turning Point Plus, for a monthly gift of any amount. Visit turningpointplus.org for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue the series, The Great Disappearance, on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. Have you ever wondered what your legacy will be? The Jeremiah Legacy Society from Turning Point was created for friends of the ministry who feel called to partner with Dr. David Jeremiah to deliver the unchanging Word of God to future generations. We can ensure that the impact we have reaches beyond our days here on earth. Visit our website at davidjeremiahgift.org to learn more about how you can be a part of the Jeremiah Legacy Society. If you enjoy listening to Turning Point with David Jeremiah, you'll be happy to hear that there is now a daily Turning Point television broadcast that you can watch each weekday. Tune in to Faith TV, Joy TV, or Miracle Channel Monday through Friday to watch the Turning Point daily television broadcast. Be sure to check your local listings for the channel and time in your area. Or visit davidjeremiah.ca forward slash TV to download a program schedule or watch at your convenience. That website again is davidjeremiah.ca forward slash TV. I know of only one thing that we can ask God for, yet never thank God for once we have it. And that one thing is humility. Actually, truly humble people probably don't spend much time praying for humility because that makes themselves the focus of their prayers. Instead, 
They focus on knowing and obeying Christ, serving others, and studying God's Word. Through those priorities, the Holy Spirit increasingly conforms them to the image of Christ, which is the manifestation of humility. Instead of focusing on becoming humble, focus on your relationship with Jesus and let His humility increasingly define your life. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover how God blesses the humble on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com and get your roadmap for life. Route 66, start your journey home today.